0: This is On The Grid, powered by the RaceTalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or whatever you're listening to us on, on iTunes or whatever it may be. Thank you for joining us again. This week, got an action-packed show. We've got a week to catch up on. Unfortunately, we didn't have a program last week, as most of you will know. It was just due to some technical issues, our studio being rebuilt here in Melbourne. But we're up and running again this week. And we welcome Richard Crowell from theracetalk.com onto the show again. Crowellsy, hello. Yeah, hey, for, for the week we
1: took off, a whole lot's gone down, hasn't it? We've had a supercar calendar. We've had the first major piece in the supercars, driver market, unfurl. We had two national-level race meetings in two different states on the same weekend. Um, we had some, some downsides and some upsides of our sport, so we'll cover off all of that in the next uh, half hour or so.
0: We'll also do that with Dale Rogers from theracetalk.com. Hello, Dale. Shebex, Richard, how are you, guys? Nice to be back on the show. Missed a few weeks. Lovely to have you back too, mate, after your sojourn to Thailand and the like. Good to have you <laughs>
2: back. Yeah, so no, Plenty
0: happening, so uh, yes, uh, a lot happening uh, as we head into the business end of the season in Australia. Yeah, well, plenty. Thailand,
2: ha- wasn't
1: he there for Do we have a holiday? budget? Do we? Uh, I
2: snuck one in. Mm. Obviously, right.
1: paying him too much. Yeah. It'll.
2: Yeah, uh, got that, got that I think it counts,
1: didn't it?
0: <laughs> hey, boys, the breaking news today, and uh, it's massive news for uh, WAU who have. You is the year just couldn't get any worse for them could it? their uh, major sponsor in mega fuels has gone into receivership and that's going to hurt uh, one would have thought the uh the Wilkinshaw Andretti United team
1: yeah it, it, it's a big story so they've gone into administration so companies can come out of that um but it, it's generally not great news is it so major sponsor um they, they've just opened a petrol station of their own, like a standalone retail space in Queensland that launched with a fair bit of fanfare a couple of months ago and and, and all was looking bright and rosy. But behind the scenes, uh, my understanding was there was uh, some management changes and some issues going on there. And um, we, we won't name names, but there were motorsport people within that organisation driving the motorsport side of that, that program. And And that was why they were so active and that was why it was going really well and they were promoting their role within the sport, doing lots of good things. But my understanding is that those people departed uh, one way or another within the last couple of months. So uh, whatever's happened since then, it's clearly gone gone downhill within that organisation and and, and putting themselves in the hands of administrators is never a great thing. So how that affects the deal that uh, Walkinshire and Dreddy United have got Nobody will know, and that will be up to the, the lawyers. I think who inevitably will be the only ones who win out of this um, to sort out. But we need to keep in mind that there's broader ramifications outside of supercars as well. Mega are a major sponsor of McRae Racing's Porsche with Warren Luff driving. They're also a partner of the No Second Chances um, program run by McRae, that are or also a major backer of Luffy's car and Luffy heavily involved in the Road Safety Initiative there, so they're a partner of that program. So there, there are broader ramifications as well, so it's not just Warp and Schuringer United, but they're the high-profile, uh, I don't want to use the term victims, but you know what I mean, out of this. Mm. So, yeah, we wait and see with interest how this plays out, but certainly a big story, and you could get much worse at WAU,
2: could it? Now it's always disappointing to see that when you, you get brands that actually come into the sport, and, and Mega came in via Tickford Racing uh, a couple of years back, and you know, new brands come in, um, sometimes a bit ambitious, but, uh, you know, they, they were getting well entrenched in the sport. And uh, as you said, you know, that there, that it's always changes within businesses that, that sort of bring these things on. And we've seen them before. You know, it's not the first time we've seen companies come in and, and really get involved heavily in a very short period of time. Uh, but unfortunately, often they're not, they, um, they tend to disappear. So uh, let's hope that... Uh, Everyone gets out of it, including the people that work for MEGA, that they're not caught out as well. So, um, obviously, we'll hear more about it as the, as the weeks roll on. It only went into administration on the 29th of August, so we're only about four or five days since that point. And I'm sure the administrators will be pouring over it. But, uh, yeah, let's hope everyone involved uh, gets through it and uh, uh, we continue to move forward in the rest of this
0: year. The other the other uh, news off the back of that, boys, and we will talk about the calendar in just one sec, which, of course, is the other big news of the week, is the fact that uh, James Courtney and uh, that decision and that announcement has been made. Effectively, he will be leaving WAU at the end of the year. Does Courtney leaving, does the, the, the sponsor Having issues and administration problems there, does that force WAU's hand a little bit now in regards to having to find a driver sooner rather than later to help them with their uh, future sponsorship proposals?
2: Oh, I,
1: I wouldn't have thought so. I, I, I would say that, and, and look, we all, everyone knows Chasmos is going there, and if the deal isn't done, there's a handshake, um, and and there's there's probably contractual issues at one end uh stopping an announcement there for a short term but uh I, I, to, to answer your question, I don't, I don't think it will. Um there's, there's enough clout in the ownership of that race team to find another backer if they need one. Now there will be protections in place uh with their contract with Mega, whatever that may be, that if the sponsorship ceases there will be a payout somewhere and that, and that will need to be negotiated with the administrators of course but Between Ryan Walker, for starters, between um, Bruce Stewart, who looks after the commercial side of that race team from a team principal point of view, and then the broader ownership group in Michael Andretti and Zach Brown, who are noticed at being the best in their respective fields in gaining sponsorship. And Michael Andretti's IndyCar team is one of the best sponsored out there. Zach Brown is bringing partners to McLaren and is involved in IndyCar now as well, and has been a dealmaker for a long time. Between that network, you'd think they're probably going to be okay. And and after after 888 and after Penske, that team, in theory, on paper at least, should be the best equipped to go and find commercial backers to continue on. So I don't think it adds urgency to their cause in, in settling their driver market. Uh, the, the whole driver industry is so unsettled at the moment with very few people actually locked in that I don't think it changes too much, Shebeks. I think there's so much water to go under the bridge yet that it's probably the less of their problems.
2: I think, say, back to the original point about Courtney, uh, he, he telegraphed loud and clear from the bend that uh, he was on the market. I mean, he, he, he held nothing back, in my opinion, on the interviews suggesting that he was uh, looking at options. Um, you know, He had a lot of questions thrown at uh, he didn't He didn't really say he was leaving, but he certainly didn't say he was staying either. Uh, And then a very hurried press release, uh, ironically, from his side of the camp, arrived on Tuesday after the bench to to tell the world that he was going. And very quickly after that came uh, a release from WAU. Reading them side by side, they were a little different, to be honest. Um, So, look, whether, whether, whether the Sunday showed the hand, whether the team said, look, this is not working, I don't know. But it came very quickly. After James is very visible as the men talking about his future career in 2020, and and the fact I think telegraphing the fact that he wasn't going to be at WAU. So, with that in mind, and I, I Richard's right, I think that the that they have a driver in place, and that driver currently drives a Mustang. The, the focus really now turns to uh, car, uh, car two. And uh, Scotty Pye is uh, locked down. Uh, he's already flagged that he's also talking to teams. So, are they going to go into the year? sponsorship issues aside with a clean slate or are they going to retain a drive the continuity? So I think the focus probably really now moves on to Scottie Barnes.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, James Courtney, boys, just a final one on that before we move on to the calendar. Uh, employable for 2020 and beyond? Yeah, uh, he is. Uh, and, and from an experience point of view,
1: he's now one of the most experienced guys in the grid. And there's, there's no doubt that he's not – there's no doubt that he's still capable enough of being a consistent front runner. Um, whether he's going to be a championship contender in in his career from now on, in I, I don't know. And you'd, you'd probably say no. He would vehemently disagree with me. But for for a rake team, and look, the the rumor the rumor market is that he's he's going to team eighteen to join up with Mark Winterbottom in an expanded two car team with Triple Eight machinery. Now, whether that comes off or not, no one knows. But You'd think in that kind of situation for a developing race team that's topping some investment to have two experienced guys like Winterbottom and Courtney driving your race uh, cars—that that's a pretty good way to develop your program and and move it forward to try and get further up the grid. So yeah, I, I think there's still a role, and he's still got some brand power. He's he's marketable. He's one of the better known drivers in the field. He's got Swagger. He's controversial. He creates some headlines. And the sport needs people like that. From a WAU perspective, oh, I think it's good. I think it's good for Courtney and I think it's good for the team. A clean break, start from scratch. You're trying to rebuild your program from a competitive point of view anyway. Uh, I reckon sort of starting from scratch and, and one, if not two new drivers, is probably actually going to be a really good thing for uh, for all parties involved. The
2: other thing is trying to mix with that mix, uh that Charlie Sherkold expanded team is that uh, there is some talk about a team being based in Sydney, which has been a long desire of uh, supercars to have a Sydney-based team. That could be the team. Both those boys are Sydney boys. But, I've got to say, from we're doing a bit of research at the moment, there is another thing in play that we believe, all together with Courtney, and it does not involve Charlie Sherkold. It involves a um, it involves a roulette table with wrecks uh, going to other people and other teams being formed. So, um, there's a lot to play here. Uh, I don't think that's a done deal by any stretch of the imagination. I think there's something, there's something in the background that could even be bigger than that. Mm. I can't say anything else because I haven't got the facts down yet. But we, <laughs> we're chasing it for the roast talk at the
0: moment. All right, let's find out and wait on that one. And see what happens, boys. The 2020 calendar was announced last week, and uh, well, I think we probably all pretty much knew exactly how the calendar was going to fall. We knew that there was going to be no Phillip Island, and we all had. Uh, Imagine that there'd be no Queensland Raceway, but the rest of the calendar seems to have fallen pretty nicely. The majority of races are 2 by 200 km sprint races. There's a couple of 2 by 250 ks there in Adelaide at the start and Newcastle at the finish and then some Enduros right in the middle, with the uh, first Enduro being the Bend instead of Sandown, which turns its hand to a sprint round. A couple of night races in Perth and in Sydney and also will be racing in the night on the Gold Coast. It's a very imaginative calendar for a change. Yeah, for a
1: Look, I, I think it achieves a lot of what they wanted to do. They wanted a, a break in the middle to get out of winter. Um, part of that came with some force majeure with the Olympics being on and, and you try and get yourself out of that window in August, which they've done. So after Darwin, which moves to July, there's five weeks. And we've seen in Formula 1 that they're, their uh, summer break, in European summer, works really well. The teams shut down for two weeks. They send their people on holiday so they can get through that grind at the end of the season, which is so relentless. And I, I have no dramas with that being part of our calendar either. And you could put other events from other series in that window as you get some clean air and and do your own thing. So that that's a tick. The calendar spacing works even better for mine in, in that, and even from the Bathurst 12-hour at the start of the season, uh, there's two weekends between every supercar's event. So Bathurst 12 hour, two weekends LA 500, two weekends Grand Prix, two weekends Cassie, bang bang, bang. And it's locked out all the way through to Darwin. And then there's the five week break and then it does the same stretch of races and, and same timing right through until Sandown and Newcastle at the end of the year, which are back to back, more or less, with one weekend in between, which means that if you've got a championship finale you get to stand down, you work out who's actually fighting for it and then you've got, what, eight days basically to go real hard promoting the past to Newcastle and building your championship finale uh, up there on, on that amazing racetrack on the, the streets of New So I like the spacing most of all. I, I think that's the best thing. I, I reckon they missed a trick in a few little areas that we can touch on in a second. But from a broad calendar perspective, I think it works really well um, and, it, and it ticks a lot, of, a lot of boxes.
2: The only thing that's still really for mine is that it is still a calendar with only fourteen races that effectively takes the whole year to get through. And I, I just wonder whether or not the, the compression. And I know that I know the supercars agenda was to try and pull around out. Um, yes, they're talking about they're making up the on track racing by increasing the one hundred and twenty to, to uh, two hundred k's on Saturday. Mm. For mine, that's a furphy. That's a, that's an event. It's not not adding to the on um, track time if you if you live in towns on the and the most in Tasmania, um, but it's still a grind of a calendar. You know we're starting in February, finishing in December, and and I just wonder. I agree that the, certainly the gap in two thousand twenty the points right. It, it, the main drive there is the Olympics. Uh, you got to, you know you have got to get out of that. Whether we're doing well or not, the Olympics just soaks up eyeballs, and uh, the two week two week is a good thing for sure, but, but it's still a long grind for 14 events. Um, yeah, and but, I, I still think that's one of the, one of the issues they've got to, got to get their heads but, but shouldn't that be a, a
1: USP instead, though, Dale? Because football's... Well, AFL's 24 weeks with a bye, uh, so 23 rounds and a week off in the middle. Um, NRL's 26 weeks, which is probably too long. So our, our calendar... Goes for longer, but it means we we get quite a lot of racing in now before the start of the AFL season. And Shebex, you're the oh, yeah. Melbourne, yeah. you're the, yeah. the, the Melbourne MCG expert. So correct me if yeah. I'm wrong, but the Grand Prix being a couple of weeks earlier will start before the first round yep. of Aussie rules. Grand
0: Prix will start two As weeks before the, the first. Yeah. Well, yeah. two weeks before the yeah. first yeah. round, so, and the last four rounds of supercars are AFL free. Yeah, after it. Yeah. So yeah. and that look supercars have been very clear in telegraphing that they want to
1: go this summer series. And I think everyone knew that it was never going to work. But I, I actually don't mind it. I take five weeks off in the middle of the year, right when footy's building both codes, building to finals, that's great. Good call. Um, you need the pre-Bathurst Induro for your co-driver's sake. So that moving to tail and is a really good call. Um, the, the thing I, that, that bugs me the most, um, and, and as a traditionalist and somebody who loves the history of the sport, is what they've done to Sandown. Now I'm I'm rough that we've still got Sandown, but they needed to retain the Sandown five hundred moniker and I and I didn't buy the answer that they put out when they were asked why they didn't keep it as or, or keep it as five hundred Ks with two two fifty K races. Hmm. And and they said it was because of the kilometers and they've added Ks and and you touched on that as well, I actually think that's a I'm not convinced that two hundred K's is the best race format from no. an entertainment no. point of view. It's an extra hundred Ks. I, I like what
2: it's
1: what is it? It's an extra hundred yeah, it Ks, it's nothing. Well, correct, but, but to make okay. that up, if they're so if they're so yeah, correct. If they're so worried about the kilometres that the teams are doing, drop three practice sessions. Drop a practice session at yeah. Simmons Plains, drop a practice session at Barbagello, drop a practice session in Sydney or Winton or wherever. And there's your 100Ks you make up. And whack right it on the Sandown, yeah. so you do yeah. 50K races. So it keeps that tradition of the Sandown 500 alive. That stuff like that just grinds me a little bit because it, it wouldn't have been hard to do. And we practice too much and race not quite enough, in my opinion. So yeah. that's one thing. But from, from what I had to work with, I reckon it's okay.
2: So Phillip Island and, uh, and QR are the ones that got most around their neck. Uh, Phillip Island, no, really, as much as we love the place. It does not draw a crowd, so financially it, it's a questionable event and it's been a Supercars event. The Fox family happily left the uh, venue to Supercars. Um, but I was pretty impressed with the crowd at QR this year, which we, we commented when we were there, that uh, it was one of the healthiest crowds we'd seen in many years.
1: Yeah, and that was probably the hardest decision they had to make. But the absolutely critical thing they had to do was pinned down Gold Coast and, to a lesser extent, Townsville. Townsville,
2: yeah, uh, yeah.
1: And, and I think everyone was surprised that the, the deal with the Queensland government was five years and not three like the last one. So that that is critical. Yeah. And those events are what's going to underpin supercars. A trying to sell the much capital stake and move yeah. that on? Yeah, is sure. having long-term deals with major events and also their next TV rights deal because they're, they're big events, especially Gold Coast, which does good numbers. Hey guys, Um, just
0: from a a sporting. mm -hmm. I was just going to say on on the QR deal, Rich, and uh, uh, predominantly Rich, because you understand the Shannon's better. The Shannon's Nationals has always run off the back of supercars up there at QR, and obviously there's been a little bit of a cost saving for them in regards to the tyre bundled up there at uh, at turn three, which has already been installed and all that sort of stuff. Is that going to affect the Shannon's Nationals for 2020? Not running off the back of supercars.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. The, the mail I'm getting is that they're still going to go next year with TCR, so there'll still be a QR around. Um, the bottom line is, is that that event is uh, a dry hire of the circuit. CAMS hire it from Queensland Raceways. Um, they put it on and they issue a permit for it themselves. Um, and and the CAMS track license for Queensland Raceway is issued for those two weekends. So my understanding is because they're the promoter of the Shannon's Nationals, that there's probably nothing stopping them doing it on their own. And, yeah. and that circuit has had some upgrades yep. regardless yep. Um, that the circuit has put in. So uh, I, I would suggest that they'd still go there from a from a TCR point of view. Now, supercars can afford to not go with switch, but from a TCR and Shannon National's point of view, they probably need that round because I can't see them, sadly because I love the joint. I can't see them going to Morgan Park. So they need to get that Brisbane event to be a real national second-tier national tour.
0: Guys, the night race at the Gold Coast, uh, are we happy with a Saturday night race there?
2: Well, Mark Walker's not. He, he's, no, he's not. He's very drinking time, Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's fantastic. I, I think just, the Gold Coast under lights, um, you know, there's always complaints for that street race. I'm just looking at the calendar again. If you include that as Six of the 14 rounds are on on, road, on roads. Know, don't include races. Bathurst. Don't right. include it's Bathurst. A, five, five of the 14 are on public <laughs> roads. So the street <laughs> racing uh, avenue that they, that they go down is so important to this series. Mm. Uh, the Gold Coast, we, we've talked about a number of times. The crowd's not been great in recent years. The helicopter shots have shown that. And you've got to keep venting yourself. I think that, that these cars, under lights, light, the dust uh, on the Gold Coast, is going to be a sensation. But it, it's, it's, there's no complaint from the people that are in the precincts there anyway, because as soon as the cars stop, the band start, and as soon as the band start, the parties on the balcony start. So there's noise in the precincts all night anyway. So I, I think it's a perfect. Yes, there is. It's not going. It doesn't affect the road closures anymore because the circuit's pinned down anyway. The light rail still works. Everyone can still go on the Gold Coast. I think it's an absolute winner. Uh, I think the cars will be absolutely spectacular there, and the accidents will probably be bigger.
0: So when, when we talk about night racing on the Gold Coast, it, it is in daylight savings. So we're probably not talking well, at a start until around about seven thirty eight o'clock, are we?
1: Yeah, but Queenslanders don't believe
0: in daylight savings. No, 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 no that's so they, they, they don't they, either. Right? So sorry, correct, correct. Yeah, yeah.
2: It, 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 it fades the curtains quicker, so it, it'll be that. <laughs> yeah, correct. And the, and the other well, thing is, if, you, if you're not being in Queensland, but going there regularly, there's no, there's very little twilight. It's just, it, it's, it's. It's light and it's dark. Yeah, that's true. In, in the, it, it gets dark quickly once the sun goes down. So whether they started in that, in that twilight period or that, late, you know, stepping sun, whatever it is, it'll finish in the dark and it'll be yeah. absolutely spectacular. Really, really good.
1: What it, what it will do, boys, is race its pants off. So yeah. the, the, the Gold coasting thing... I reckon the, the decision to go to a night race there on a Saturday night is as much driven by TV as it is the, the event. I, I, I'm of the opinion that the event probably didn't need much squeaking because it's it's a really good show. And while crowds are never going to be what they were in the IndyCar days, it's still really solid. Um, and, and will going night racing draw an extra 20,000 people? I'm not 100% convinced. What it will do is significantly bump the TV ratings and because yep. it's a, yeah because it's a Channel 10 race as well they're going to be substantial and it's the best possible time slot you can have because it's after the football seasons and it's before cricket season is that month yep. window where there's no sporting competition so that will on a Saturday night prime time viewing on both Fox and Channel 10 on free to air is going to do very very good numbers and I think that's what's driven it and on that basis alone, it's a good call.
2: And yeah. it also will benefit from, from as because the flow and effect after Daffys, if, if, if as usual, it's another an epic event. Um, the interest is already there. I mean, the once-a-year mm. viewers, you know, a couple of races a year, the Gold Coast one's on the calendar straight up, two weeks after it. Yeah. So yeah. Takes a lot of money.
0: A lot of format changes as well, gentlemen. I think one of the most important for me is the format changed to tyre use at uh, Melbourne for the Grand Prix and the fact that we'll have multiple tyre compounds used across the four races, which I hope is a forerunner for uh, for other races throughout the year.
1: Yeah, that's a good call, and, and hopefully that will spice things up and they've changed the Grand Prix format a little bit as well in terms of the race length, which isn't bad. Um, yeah, I, I think we can start becoming a bit more adventurous with tyre usage in supercars again. Um, because the soft tyre now isn't really that soft, um, and the hard tyre is really hard. Uh, and, and we saw it at the bend, and we've, we've got some analysis coming on the racetalk.com about um, about that circuit and, and how it, it probably should be a soft tyre track because they need more grip there um, to, to promote better racing like the Career Cup we saw there. Um, that, that's beside the point. Um. Yeah, Grand Prix format, good, soft and hard tyres. The, the funny thing with that is, though, is that everyone's so attuned to what makes the best strategy nowadays is that you very rarely are going to get to a situation where driver A's on a soft, driver B's on the hard, and driver B's being hunted down by the guy on the soft at the end of the race because everyone generally works out what the fastest strategy is anyway. Um, so I'm not convinced it's going to change too much. The other format change I'd like to question boys is the night racing events and i'm talking about perth and the sydney super night i reckon we might have missed a trick here because the saturday night big tick outstanding that's the way to go we talked about the tv ratings impact before but running sunday twilight gives me some pause because i don't know about you but if i'm not at a race landing sunday night about eight o'clock I'm on the couch with a glass of red watching the Grand Prix and trying to stay awake. Um, And if I've got kids that want to go to school the next day or don't want to go to school, probably more pertinent, and I've got to get up and go to a job um, and and get all of life happening on Sunday night before the working week, I don't know if I want to be at a supercar round at 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. Um, I'm, I'm just a bit concerned that maybe that's not the way to go with the super night events and that they should have stuck with a Friday, Saturday night format. Thoughts?
2: Yeah, I found, I found it bizarre. In fact, it, when I first read it, I thought it was a mistake in, the, in what I was reading. Um, I, I just I, It is really, really strange that they would do that. I mean, even AFL, um, you know, they'll run that late uh, Sunday afternoon match, but it starts at 3.40 and it's finished at 6. Um, mm. You know, not too many Sunday night AFL games. I, I don't know. It, it, to me, it, it seems wrong. Um, and also, you know, from Perth, you, you're going to have a time issue coming back from Melbourne, so... It just I don't know what the rationale is behind it, but I totally agree, Richard. I think the Friday-Saturday night combo is exactly right. Sunday Saturday night is, you know, for all the reasons you've just stated, um, is not a time that you're going to go out and attend the thing or at that time of night going to necessarily be watching it. So I, I found it a very curious thing. As I said, I, I genuinely thought that the release was wrong when I read it.
0: And the final one, gentlemen, on the calendar before we move on to other things as well, the inclusion of Australian superbikes back on supercar events are possible that'll happen at least in Darwin of next year and maybe another event. Are we fans of the mixed two wheels and four wheels?
1: Yeah, I like it. It's a good call. Uh,
0: Australian
1: Superbikes is uh, gathering a bit of momentum at the moment. They've Which got good. they've got good racing they've got yeah, they've got good manufacturers, they've got good racing, good names, and their product is, is very, very good. So I, I like it. I, I've got fond memories as a kid going out to Malala for the two plus four uh, events where you have the Australian Touring Car Championship and the Australian Superbike Championship together. Um, and it brings the two-wheel market to the circuit, which is great. brings some other manufacturers in that can activate, can do some corporate. It um, just adds, adds to a different dimension to the punters. And for for four-wheel fans who haven't seen Superbikes before, that's going to be great and vice versa. So, no, I like it. Yeah, we're, we're on the street is it'll be Darwin because Superbikes had a standalone around there for some time but didn't go there this year. But uh, Simmons Plains is another potential uh, for that one. And and I've heard the Sydney Super Night throwing around as well. But then I've heard just about every category uh, attached to that event back at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park for next year. But yeah, like it. Good call.
2: Sorry, boys. can't stand it. Uh, I remember remember standing in the pits at the last one I saw, the pit lane, Phillip Island. Uh, For me, it's like... uh, Having an AFL and an RL game playing on the same day—I cannot stand it. I think it has—it's just an irrelevant addition for mine. Um, and it's been tried and failed, and tried and failed, and it'll, it'll fail again. It's just—it's just not right. Wow, so you awful. old wow. bastard! Absolutely wow. can't stand it.
1: Well, that, that's that's very interesting. It's one of the biggest things that we've noted on social media. Uh, about the calendar is that it no longer uh, Gold Coast no longer clashes with Phillip Island MotoGP and all of a sudden people are going oh I can't wait we can finally go <laughs> yes. to the bikes at Phillip Island because it doesn't clash with Gold Coast anymore Yeah, no. Oh, let
2: no, me no. just tell you MotoGP ain't Australian Superbike Race <laughs> so let's just put that into perspective for a minute they're two
0: brass of products. fair enough fair. any other supercar news we've missed out on no I we're coming, today. I think it's we're pretty good. Yeah, I think we're done. F1 news. Fantastic to see uh, Charles Leclerc get his uh, first win of his career, and did it well too. Geez, he was under pressure from Lewis Hamilton there for a while, wasn't he? Yeah,
1: it, it was a cracking, a cracking race, wasn't it? But just um, completely and utterly overshadowed by what happened on Saturday. Yeah. That that everyone who's listening to this will know by now. We we don't need to go into details about. Uh, about the crash with Antoine Hubert, which is very, very sad. So, you know, the motorsport gods came to the fore there, though, didn't they? With Charles Leclerc winning, uh, he was friends with Antoine, obviously. And, I mean, if you scripted it, that's what you wanted to happen. So uh, from from all of those perspectives, it was really good. And the fact it was a really good race as well, just added to the course.
2: I think the backstories of the race are probably the real issues. And, and, you know, I think Leclerc, he will statistically go down as that's his first Grand Prix win, but he didn't, you know, you could just tell by his, his whole demeanour that it was a heavy weight on his shoulders. But, yeah, 80% of the crowd had turned off the race after about 35 seconds when Verstappen decided to uh, have a big crack at Räikkönen, Um I've watched that in a number of angles. And, oh, I don't know. I mean, Kenny had to turn at some point. Um, yes. And,. Uh, and Max was coming down no matter what. But the other thing interesting thing on the in-car is, is that he actually, as he went down the hill towards Eau Rouge, you could almost tell as he started turning, well, the car was not going to turn. Yeah. But his right foot didn't come off the gaps, um, which I guess is the, the, the nature of a racer. Um, the other story for mine was Daniel Ricciardo, uh, and uh, we now find out a little bit more about what actually happened. He had a pretty severely wounded car, the floor of the car was badly damaged. It was interesting that, that although they had to pit him very early to, to obviously get that repair and get the tyres on, when you look at the t- where he was situated in the race, and he had stopped once, um, when, the, when the cars around him then pitted and tumbled down the order, they all came back uh, and, and passed him. I just wonder, even with a damaged car, would it not have been advantageous to take the punt and pit him and put him on some new rubber? Because uh, yeah. he, did, he did the whole race, one once at a
1: yeah. time. Um, yeah, I, I re- they missed a trick there, Dale. And uh, Renault, see, Renault struggled this year, but their strategy department for mine has uh, struggled more than yeah. perhaps everything else. So uh, there'll be some question marks over that call and, and he could have scored points at the least. With that yeah. recovery drive, had he had he put tyres on? But uh, yeah, he was simulating and
2: qualifying. You know, it, really, that was one of one of his. That, that was a Ricardo qualifying effort. He he just drove superbly. And mm. you know, you take those you take those other cars out of the mix. Um, you are you know, your you, your spot is is sixth, the best, and it was comfortably in sixth. And uh, you know, grid penalty mm. didn't hurt him. But uh, rest is history. But uh, let's just hope that at Monza they get a car that works and a strategy that works because they showed some really good pace on a very, very fast circuit, which I was a little surprised at. I thought Renault could be struggling at uh, Spa because it is a very, very high, um, you know, low downforce and very, very high-speed circuit. So Monza will be the same. So if they can play to their strengths there, let's hope we can we can see it again next weekend.
0: Well, the good news is is that they have the option of putting back the, uh, the Spec C engine back in the car instead of going back to the Spec B if yep. they want.
2: Yep, yep, yep. Mm. Uh, look, there's some good things coming, but by God, it's a tough old year for them, so... Um yeah, well, certainly
0: uh richard you've got some sad news uh on the on the motor racing front over a a guy that's been involved with racing for a long time
1: yeah i do we we found out that just just hours before we record this show on a tuesday afternoon she that michael navybox sadly passed away in europe he was over there uh and has been for some time riding a series of the epic european um two-wheeled bike events so followed the sort of France around, uh, the zero d'Italia, events like that, and average cycling enthusiast. Michael Nabyrox was known to Australian racing fans as an Australian Formula 3 competitor in the early 2000s, where he was a runner-up in the trophy class in that series and a race winner there. Um, and he was known for owning and running Mike's Manor, which was located on the, the road out to Wakefield Park Raceway in Goulburn. And uh, a lot of the teams and drivers and competitors would stop there Uh, when racing uh, in Goulburn. Uh, And Mike was known as a driver trainer as well. He had a really, really tough battle for the last 10 years. He had really aggressive cancer that he beat. Um, He was involved in, I believe, a two-wheel crash that broke his neck at one point and had to recover from that as well. Um, and, And as we understand, and we don't have official confirmation yet, but he passed away in his hotel room. Um, something clearly went wrong overnight and, and he was found uh, deceased the next morning. So really sad. Mike, Mike was one of those ripper bikes who, despite all of his challenges and everything that been he'd been through, all of his battles with, with illness and fighting through it and, and depression and, and everything else that he was very open with, he would always ask you how you were going first. Um, he was that kind of guy who was always smiling despite what might have been going on behind the scenes and a really positive individual um, that that had an impact on everyone he spoke to. And the motor racing community has had a lot of outpouring in the last couple of hours since we we found the news. And I'm, I'm sure there'll be many more tributes to a really good guy. So uh, on behalf of the race talk and all of our team here on the grid as well, uh, just to extend our thoughts and sympathies to the family of, uh, of Mike and, and all his friends and colleagues that worked with him. And, Knew him better than I did, but, uh, yeah, sad day after a, a pretty challenging weekend for the sport as well.
0: Yep, no doubt. RIP, Mike.
2: Gentlemen, that's it. And, and on a happier note, though, uh, Ooh, Tony, yes. um, we did uh, have some winners of our Truck Assist uh, promotion at the Benz, and very happy ah, people yes. picked up some great prizes from, from our friends at Truck Assist. Did they have a great and, time? Uh, yes, we believe yeah. they did. They they did indeed. And, yeah. Uh, so we're uh, really pleased with that, and uh, we'll be doing more of that with Truck Assist during the year. We've got some exciting things coming with Truck Assist and the guys as we move into the Endurance, uh, the Fertec Cup. I uh, look forward to that, and uh, always always great to have the support.
1: Yeah, and, and I've got to add to that, Sabex. One, one of our competition winners, sadly, um, his wife became ill the day before the event, but he was good enough to organise for one of our reserve winners to pick up the ticket oh, so that they could still go, which is just, just an amazing gesture. Um both the original winners got some Truck Assist gear. They got the group to a pit walk through, got to meet Jack LeBrock. Um, our reserve winners took their kids out as well, had a fantastic day um, and, and have just been beating about it. So massive thanks to uh, Chris and the team at, at Truck Assist, Powered uh, by MCI for their support of the race talk and uh, a terrific competition. On to another happy news as well, we just need to finish the show on some US news because Will Powers a winner yes, again yes. in IndyCar Racing, as we've seen, won the Portland Grand Prix. Second win in three races, he's in great form to end the season and you'd chuck a whole lot of cash on him winning at Laguna Seca in the finale. But even better than that is a double victory for Hunter, Hunter McElroy, McElroy in the USF yeah. 2000. Yeah, great. Really good. Yeah. Uh, and he now leads that championship going into the final round, which is also at Laguna in a couple of weeks' time. So if he wins USF 2000, he gets an automatic ticket uh, and a funded drive in uh indy pro which is the second tier of the road to indy after that it's indy lights and then it's IndyCar. so he's well on the way he's a terrific young dude um the family's a friend of the show of course but uh great news for a racing car driver from new zealand that we'll ultimately be able to claim as our own uh, as well so uh yeah. terrific job by a hunter and uh very well driven
0: is he via the uh, scott dixon passport mode is he yeah, Brisbane-born.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Hunter was born in America. lives Lives on the Gold Coast um, to New Zealand parents. So, yeah. so
0: we'll, we'll find some way to find him. We'll find some way. Hey, boys, oh, that, that is great I news. Like fantastic news, and uh, let's hope that that continues for Hunter in the uh, the last couple of races. Consistency is what this season's been all about for him. Guys, look forward to catching you next week. Uh, hopefully, we'll be joined by Andre Heimgartner next week. Really looking forward to having a chat to the Nissan driver about what is uh, going to be a, a positive finish, I think, uh, for those cars for season 2019.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They're off to New Zealand as well, one of the great racetracks on the calendar, Pukukaui. Um, A racetrack where you just tighten the, tighten the belts a little bit and push harder, and that's the spectators sitting on the side, let alone the drivers. So looking forward to a preview with one of the form drivers in the series. And um, we'll hear from Zach Rock as well, from the Truckers' Techno
0: team, and uh, start the big countdown, boys. is not far away. Excellent stuff. Richard Crail, Dale Rogers, thank you both for your time. Cheers, boys. Good chat.
2: Thanks, Jim X. Thanks, Richard. I'm off to watching Superbike racing. <laughs> <laughs> Liar.
0: Liar. <laughs> So there you go, another episode of On The Grid wrapped up and locked in the can. Thank you to Richard Crowell and Dale Rogers from theracetalk.com. Of course, we are powered by theracetalk.com here on The Grid. We look forward to catching you again next week right here on mypodcasthouse.com.